I am Nolan Watson, President and CEO of Sandstorm Gold Royalties, and happy to be here. Uh, good, good, good. Um, that's a nice short and brief intro. Uh, so we back in March. I think we had a good conversation then, uh, and you've had a busy old year uh, since, I, since I last spoke to you. Um, just going through the press releases, some, some big announcements, some big statements in there. You're shaking things up a bit. What's happening? Yeah, we've been very acquisitive. So Sandstorm Royalties, as being a royalty company, our business is buying interest in royalties in other people's minds or streams in their minds. We built up a portfolio of about 230 different streams and royalties. We're one of the top five, six streaming royalty companies in the entire world of what we do. And uh, 2021 was a pretty big year for us. We had a, a record year of acquisitions. We allocated close to $230 million of capital in new acquisitions. We also bought back shares. And last year, we also declared our inaugural dividend that we're going to start paying every quarter for the rest of our lives. So 2021 was a big year for us. The big year, everything except for the share price. What's happening? Everything except for the share price. Well, it's one of those interesting things that uh, when when people are bearish on gold, gold companies trade down. And the, the irony, though, in this situation is that gold prices haven't really traded down that much. I think it's one of the things that you always see in these economic cycles is that gold equities typically move before the gold price. And so over the last year, large institutional investors, even high net worth retail investors have been anticipating that the gold price will eventually come down because of rate height cycles and uh, quantitative tightening and, and those types of things. And so they've sold off all the gold companies, including Sandstorm, to uh, incredibly low valuations. We're, we're a royalty company uh, that's, you know, a, Billion and a half dollars net worth, New York Stock Exchange listed traded. Usually, royalty companies would trade at three times NAV. Transfer of trading at less than one times NAV. And so, I think people have done that in anticipation of the gold price coming off. Except the interesting thing is that the gold price isn't coming off. And, uh, and the gold price, I don't think it's going to come off because we're starting to get to our first rate heights. And although you would think that gold prices drop during rate height cycles, Historically, they don't. In fact, historically, they look through the rate height cycle one year in advance. And once they start hiking rates, gold starts going up. So I think we're going to have a massive catch up trade here. And uh, and I think Sandstorm share price is going to do very, very well in 2022. So it's, what's, what's happening with the narrative? Because how do you need to reposition yourself or just the narrative in the, in the marketplace? Because I, you're right. Yeah, 1800 bucks gold. That's good. Producers of gold. And therefore, uh, you know, we're making, throwing off a lot of cash. They're doing a lot of M&A. You're clipping your, your coupon through your, your, your royalty and your streams as, as well in, in that situation. But you know, people are seeing you, I don't know. They're not seeing you as a cash generative business, despite the record year it says in this press release I'm looking at. Um, how, how do you need to reposition or redirect the company so that people kind of try and understand what, you know, how your business model is going to work in 2022, or otherwise it's just going to be more of the same. And you're going to, you know, you're, you're going to be reliant on the market doing the heavy lifting for you and not some of these changes and some of these, um, the, these acquisitions that you're making. Well, it's a great question. In fact, one of the things that I love about investing is that there are market inefficiencies when sometimes the market gets some things wrong in, in smaller markets. And the, the, the macro theme that you're hearing about investing in gold right now is, Gold is going to go down because rates are going to go up, which is not true. I do not think that that's going to happen. I think gold is going to rip once we get into this rate tightening cycle. But at a minimum, if it doesn't go up that much, because inflation is so high, let's say you're a gold mining company and your revenue is not going up very fast, but your costs are going up. They're going up almost 10% a year for a lot of mining companies around the world because inflation is even higher in developing countries 
than it is here in Canada and the United States. And so you've got costs going up and your margins are getting squeezed and therefore your free cash flow as a mining company should go down. And so I think the market is broadly getting the revenue side wrong. I think the revenue is actually going to go up for the industry, but the revenue is going to go up for mining companies and the costs are going to go up. So they're not really going to be that better off. But where the market is really inefficient is it has taken all streaming and royalty companies and traded all of their equities down as if they were miners. Streaming and royalty companies' costs don't go up when inflation goes up. That's one of the beauties of our model is that our costs are fixed in, in the contracts irrespective of inflation. So the market is effectively throwing the baby out with the bathwater for royalty companies. And so I think you're going to have a bit of a catch-up trade in mining companies when they realize that the commodity prices is going to go up. And I think you're going to have a double catch-up trade in the royalty companies once they realize, wait a second, their costs aren't going up and their revenue is going up. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I think it's been described um, as sort of inflation-proof in a way, right? Um, which was sort of very topical in, in, in Q3. But I'm, I'm just trying to understand again, in terms of that risk-reward thing, I, I get your, your take on the marketplace and I get why you, you know, think you should be able to take advantage of that. But you've also got this kind of whole emotional and psychological component to you investing, right? So you guys had a great year. It says 114, 115 million bucks for the full year for 2021, right? Great. Great year. You guys get to reward yourself for that. You're, you've done a, you've done an inaugural, um, you know, distribution of, of, of cash, um, through a dividend. Great. But it's not a, it's not a big number. And when people see that sort of stuff happening, where you, you guys get to be the beneficiary of hitting, you know, dollar marks, right? But not hitting it in the share price where these guys make their money once they, once they, they, if they sell or trade their shares. You can sort of see this kind of disconnect and maybe some some of the sort of negative comments that the company's getting. So it's a very difficult period for you. What do you do about it? Yeah, there's one thing. I've been in this business for 20 years now. And there's one thing that I learned is uh, you can't fight the sentiment of an entire industry by yourself. It just, it just can't happen. What you can do is make sure that the fundamentals of your business are so strong that when the, inter- the industry sentiment changes, that you're like spring loaded so that you, as soon as that sentiment turns, that you're loaded. So what we've been doing at Sandstorm is trying to make sure that our business is doing all the right things. We have record revenue, record cash flow, paying a dividend, record growth, record acquisitions. We're doing all the right things so that when sentiment in the industry changes, it'll change with us first and change with us fastest. Right. And are those things happening um, quickly enough? Because again, if I look at some of the, the, the types of trades that you used to do when you first started, you know, you've been at this a while, you know, it's, it, it's, it's no, no great shame to say, you know, sometimes management gets a little bit tired, right? So maybe they don't start doing as good deals. You know, we, you, you've had a lot of grief, grief for, you know, the uh, project in Turkey, uh, in Mongolia. Um, how do you change things up or say, look, we've still got the same energy here. We are constantly evaluating how we set ourselves up for success and to do better deals, to do more meaningful deals, to do quicker deals, to bring revenue in. Because, you know, like I say, it wasn't a healthy year last year. It's a steady growth kind of business. I like royalties. I think people should have royalties in, in their portfolio. But you, you guys need to step it up a bit, don't you? Well, if, if you want to know uh, how hard we're working and how much energy we have, if you phone my wife, she will complain about me working 10 hours days a day all the way through Christmas holidays. So we see enormous amounts of opportunity out there. Uh, you know, there's, there's record acquisitions that we did in 2021. I think we're going to set a new record for acquisitions in 2022. The stuff in Turkey, that's actually an important initiative that we have this year is is turning it into a, a stream and a royalty. So 
Uh, we bought that asset in 2017 and investors complained initially that it doesn't look exactly like a stream in a royalty. It feels more like a 30% equity interest into an asset. We said, don't worry, we're going to turn it into a stream or a royalty. Our preference for doing that was to do it directly with Lady Minim Chilik, which is the mine operator, where we, the idea was we'd hand them back their equity and then we would take back a stream in exchange. And those conversations took longer than I was hoping and, and we haven't really made the progress that we wanted. So it took me longer to do it. But 2022 is going to be the year where we figure out a way to get that solved, whether it's selling that interest to another uh, entity or shell company or something and taking back our own stream. So by the end of 2022, my goal is to have Sandstorm Gold Royalties be a pure play royalty company and have investors really happy about the nature of how we own that asset in Turkey, as well as the size of that asset relative to the rest of our portfolio. Right. And obviously, we talked about that back in March, and it's taking longer than you, you you hoped, and you're talking about it happening at some point this year. So without making a rod for your own back, you know, what, what's the timing on that? And what does that actually mean for shareholders of, of Sandstorm Gold? Yeah, for Sandstorm Gold, I think it just means the shareholders sit tight, wait for us to figure out the exact steps in the press releases. But by the end of 2022, my goal is to have that done, cleaned up, dusted, and so investors will have a clear path and they'll see that we are pure play streaming and royalties and that that, that Turkey asset is uh, a more modest percentage of our total income paying up. So Turkey's not a Turkey. Um, right, so you talk about acquisitions um, and that's, that's all well and good. And we're, we're, seeing, a lot, we're seeing a lot of M&A in the space uh, at, at the moment, some you know, unwarranted approaches uh, as well. Um, so, so two, two things here. Your acquisitions are going to be good acquisitions, not just a volume play, but something that is going to, you know, contribute towards the, the, the bottom line. And, you know, you, we, we talked last time about how you kind of measure, um, your portfolio. So why should we believe that you are continuing to buy as well as you did in the early days and not just for news? Yeah, no, it's a good question. So I'm a big believer that uh, it's always incumbent upon us as CEOs to make sure that we're modifying our business model to stay relevant, to be able to get above average risk-adjusted returns for our investors. One of the things that I've seen over the last couple of years is that there has been more competition moving into the space. So whereas before you could wait for a banker to phone you and say, they're running a process to sell a stream and a royalty, what would you like to pay for it? Highest bidder wins and highest bidder actually paid a reasonable price. Today, what we're seeing is our, our competitors bid really high prices and really low rates of return. I've seen some deals as low as minus 2% rates of return, which is why in the world someone would do that, I don't know. Um, but it's kind of, you know, the analogy was the old version of a streaming royalty company was sort of like Netflix way back in the day when all they did was display other people's content. You're selling a commodity that anybody could do it and anybody can compete with you. You know, in the streaming royalty space, our commodity is cash. That's effectively what we're selling. That's what we offer, offer to companies. And so we need to, we can't do what Netflix did, which is vertically integrate and create their own content because that's vertically integrating for us just means we become another mining company. We're not going to do that. We're a streaming royalty company. But I do believe that we need to work harder as a corporate development team and a management team. And this is the direction that we have been taking Sandstorm for the past six months now, where what we do is we go and create that content, not in Sandstorm, but we work with friends in the industry. We have deep connections, friends with the industry, entrepreneurs who are setting up new mining companies want to go buy mines and making all of those connections and saying, hey, if you need an office while you're starting up your company, we'll sublease space to you. If you need technological infrastructure, we'll do that. And when you need financing, you're not calling all of our competitors, you're calling us. 
and or walking down the hall and talking to us. And so we are, and we're out there with our corporate development team looking for acquisitions where people are selling mines, want to buy mines, build mines. And so, for example, this last deal that we did on Mercedes, we actually knew the people that were selling the mines was Equinox Gold. And we've done, we used to be a shareholder of Equinox Gold. We know the people very well. And we said, hey, let's talk about buying your mine. We don't want to operate it because we're a streaming royalty company. And we shopped it around and found a mining company that wanted to buy it and wanted to operate it. And we said, we'll help you pay for it by give, selling you a stream and a royalty. And so instead of getting a 0% rate of return, which is what some of our competitors are getting, we got something that we believe, including inflation, will work out to about 10% rate of return even if there's no exploration upside, our geologists think there's lots of exploration upside. So all of a sudden, instead of getting 0% rates of returns, just waiting for the phone to ring, we're, we're generating what could be 10 to 15 to 20% rates of returns on transactions. And that's how we need to run our business. And, and I think we're going to have lots of success growing that way. Yeah, I mean, th- th- so it was great. So, so that's the one good example. Okay, Mercedes and the Equinox deal is, is, is a good example. But if you look at the, the entire portfolio, we talked about this last time, which is, you know, in terms of materially advancing projects, organ- organic, that's your organic growth versus the acquisition side. I mean, how, how does that break down? I mean, where should we be looking in terms of the existing um, projects and near-term revenue? And near-term for me is, you know, revenues in the next two years. And I don't know what guidance you've given recently for that. Yeah, so over the next couple of years, we're expecting, so for example, 2021 was a record year for us for both revenue and cash flow. We're expecting 2022, based on what we've already bought, assuming no acquisitions, to be a slight record for us. So we're expecting both revenue and cash flow to uptick. Uh, 2023, it'll be close to 2022 unless we buy more things, but we're, we're looking at a bunch of things right now. Uh, that are already cash flowing. So we expect with acquisitions, 2023 will be higher. And then there'll be a large jump in 2024 when Hod Modern turns on and Hod Modern is constructed. So, you know, record cash flow this year, record cash flow next year, probably record cash flow the year after that, and then substantial record cash flow the year after that. So Sandstorm is is growing in a, and is definitely very much a growth company. And we're excited about that. Right. So why, why do you say it's a growth company? Because it seems to be a lot of, you know, back, backfilling there. Um, required from you guys and, and, and reliance on the companies to actually do what they say they're going to do, which obviously you've got no control over. Um, you know, in Hot Madden, there's a problem that needs solving still. So, h- how do you kind of factor those into your forward guidance? Or, and what sort of discounting do you f- you feel you need to apply? Because not not everything's roses all of the time. It's mining for crying out loud. That's actually a really good question. So, I've, I've been doing streaming royalty uh, stuff for 18 years straight now. And it only took me six months in my first six months, 18 years ago, to figure out that the budgets that other mining companies give to us saying what they're going to do aren't true. <laughs> exactly. And so uh, within the very first year, the, the very first streaming company I worked at, we, we would take the budgets of those companies every year. And then we would, we would say, I don't know which of these companies are going to miss it by how much, but we're taking an assumption of just, we're going to give public guidance of this. And so Sandstorm, we're, we're 11 years running now of cash flow. We've never missed budget. So when we get this public guidance for those numbers of growth and record, um, we, we are not reliant on our partners hitting their budgets. Those are our internal budgets that have haircutted their budgets. Right. Okay. You're conservative. That's what you're saying to me. 
you, 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 you apply a discount to this thing. Okay. Yeah. No, no like, like I can't argue with if you've hit budget every year. I can't argue with that, right? Um, it's just not everyone does. Um, and, you know, everyone wants to be over-optimistic all of the time. And you know, at some point that catches up with you, right? Um, so just, so that's on the interesting known stuff. With regards to, you know, your, your method or putting yourself out there for, you know, acquisitions, you're right. Normally the banks ring you up and say, Hey, we've got a process going on. Do you want to join in? Highest better wins, banks happy, sellers happy, but usually it's not necessarily the, 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 the best price that uh, has, has been paid for it if you want to make money. So if that doesn't work out that way, because it's get, it is really, what, what we're seeing is what we, what we said last year has come true. There's going to be a lot of M&A. There's going to new entrants into the marketplaces. People look to, to kind of establish themselves. There's a lot more competition, people who will overpay. There's no guarantees on these acquisitions, which you hope to make, which partially drive your you know future revenue so are the, and you don't and you want to be pure play right so you, you got to play by the rules or, or do you have to overpay occasionally well so far like i said last year the proof is in the pudding record year of acquisitions and we didn't overpay for anything um we haven't had to write down an investment in the last decade um, everything that we bought we've made money on and i think everything we're gonna buy we're gonna make money on going forward we may make the odd the odd mistake but we have always found a way to work the business model, be one step ahead of our competitors and to do deals that are creative. It's, it's something we've done for 10 years straight. It's something we did last year. It's something we're going to do in 2022. Um, I, I would add though, that uh, if you would have talked to me two years ago about consolidation in the industry, uh, I would have said something like, yes, I think our industry needs to start consolidating a little bit, but nobody's really actually interested in it behind the scenes. There aren't really a lot of conversations going on. Uh, that has changed completely. Um, we have a new entrant into the royalty space called Royalties, and they've bought up multiple other royalty companies. They've just launched a hostile takeover on another royalty company called Elemental Royalties. They're going to continue doing what they do. And meantime, uh, almost all of the other royalty companies are starting to talk behind the scenes. So the consolidation was something that was needed a couple of years ago. I think consolidation is something that's going to happen in 2022. Yeah, no, we're we're aware of a lot of the conversations between gold royalties and, and others, hostile and otherwise. And you know, good luck trying to get Elemental to uh, say yes on that one. I think. Um, with with, I want to go, I want to go back to what. Well, actually, let's stick with M and A a little bit, okay? Because you're a certain size now. We talked again, talked about it a little bit last time. It was is like, how do you make yourself more attractive to you know the, one of the three big boys, um, or, 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 or do you? You mean what, what's the end game for you guys? Is it just more more of the same, or or would it, uh, an unwelcome, hostile um, bid be appreciated? Actually, so I've got very good relationships with the CEOs of the, the big boys. I mean, Randy Smallwood at, at Weed, and I used to work with him. David Harkwell and Paul Brink at Franco know them very well. Um, so on and so forth and, and, and know the Royal Gold guys very well. We're all friendly behind the scenes and we've all talked with each of those companies about syndicating deals together and working together as partners. So I think if anything happened, it would be on a friendly basis. I think one of the things that I need to do at Sandstorm, which I'm going to do in 2022, is clean up the hot mod in interest so that it's a pure stream in royalty. I think that makes us a lot more attractive partner for mergers with mid-tiers as well as potentially buyers by large caps. Okay, I mean, you brought it up against it, so will I. I mean, obviously, there's a lot, lot going on in Turkey at the moment. Um, people are a little bit nervous about what's going on in Turkey at the moment. Does that make the job a little bit harder? I think that, that the conversation a few months ago was in the sense that 
uh, Hodmatic did not have their EIA, which is their main permit to move forward. And people were going, well, the EIA is a little bit behind schedule. Is it going to happen? Um, they've got their full EIA, which is the main permit. 22 of the 23 government departments have to sign off, all signed off in that EA. So this project is moving forward. They have the social license to move forward and they have the legal right to move forward. And it's one of the most, if not the most economic gold mine that's being built in the whole world. So it's going to move forward. Okay. I, I think my point is that the, the, the Mark is asking the question of, you know, economics are one thing, but actually being able to get into production is a, a, another. And I, you're, what you're saying to me, there's a kind of, you're confident that things are going through the motion, but albeit slightly delayed, you feel it will get over the line. Well, all you need is a permit and the money to build it. And they have both. <laughs> so <laughs> that'll see hurdles. Yeah, tell that to people in Kazakhstan, right? You know, things happen in the country and, you know, tensions tensions rise and, you know, investors get nervous. So that's the only question I'm putting to you is they feel that, you know, businesses will be able to function and operate in in, in Turkey without any unnecessary concern. Yeah, to put it in perspective, if you try to build a mine right now in Canada, um, when, when your mine goes through a public comment period, and people are allowed to say, here's the reasons I don't want the mine to be built, that the government can sort of contemplate those things when they're deciding to get permits. Remember, a CEO came up to me a couple of years ago. He's like, this comment period has gone so well. We only got 385 comments. You know, they're expecting 3,000. Um, Lydia Medinchilic took the Hot Modern Project through a very public consultation period. The total number of comments was zero. Not one single community member, not one single NGO said, I don't want it. The original feasibility study for the mine, they had moved the mine out of a valley where the local community lived into a separate valley nearby so that no one was near the houses. And it cost $30 million extra to do that, but they were willing to do it because they wanted to be nice to the locals. When we put out the feasibility study, the locals got so angry, they said, that is our mine, that is our mill, why are you putting it in the North Valley? Put it in our valley. And so we did. That's that's where the, the new feasibility study went. So I hear lots of people go, uh, you know, I'm worried about Turkey and all those types of things. But if they saw what's the, the assets permitted, it's highly economic. What's going on, on the ground is incredible. Okay. Worth, worth digging in on, in on that one just to, you know, answer those questions. All right. Um, and you, you, you made a comment earlier about, you know, we're, we're buying at the right prices. So we bought efficiently in 2021, right? So you value, so what, what, what are the multiples that you're, sorry, what are the, what, what are the, the ratios that you're looking for? I mean, you know, you, you know, your earnings cla- cash flow deals versus PNAV multiple accretive deals. I mean, how do you look at it? How do, how do you quantify, quantify yourself enough, uh, your deals to be able to say, Hey, we bought really well last year? Yeah. Well, the last, the last three deals we did, we figured we're going to get a 10% plus rate of return uh, over time. And that's assuming one times nav, if you use a 10% discount rate, if you use a lower discount rate, let's say you use four or 5%, that's like buying it at 0.8 times nav. Those, those are the types of economics and transactions that, that we're working on right now. And we've been able to achieve. Okay. So you're looking at that IR number. What are the other ways of, of, of measuring it? Because I mean, 10% is I guess for royalty, maybe maybe attractive, but elsewhere it wouldn't be. So why is that good? 
Yeah, I think some people, I, I think the reason it's good is that once you reach a certain scale, so you've got a certain liquidity, a certain size, a certain amount of diversification in your portfolio and a certain level of market cap so you can attract larger institutional investors, we're not quite there yet, but companies like Franco, Royal, Wheaton are, that you start trading at two, two and a half, three times NAV per share. And so if you're able to build this portfolio at 0.8 to one times NAV, once you reach that critical mass, your share price triples. Okay. And, and with regards to, um, again, in terms of the IRI, you talked about 10% there, but in terms of the cash cash return uh, component, does those, do those new deals raise the bar for you? Does it, is it roughly the same as what you, how you've been buying previously or is that lower? I mean, where, where, where's that, again, trying to quantify recent purchases versus old and existing transactions? Yeah, we, it's similar to, for us, the story would be it's similar rates of return that we've been getting all the way along. There was a period of about 18 to 24 months where the industry got a lot more competitive uh, and we had not yet branched out into this new strategy of finding the asset sales and finding the partners and, and vertically integrating. And so during that period of time, we were kind of looking at the deals going, those don't make any sense. And so we just didn't really do many deals for 18 months. We just sort of sat back as we said, we're not getting the rates of return that we want, so we're not going to do deals. Right. Okay. So, so what, on average, what, what is the expected IRR on the, I mean, just using like consensus pricing or on, on uh, you know, current reserve life or resource life, however you want to measure it. I mean, what, what does that look like today or end of 2021, however you want to? Yeah, I would say with, with inflation, if you bought Sandstorm today and we never traded above one times now, you'd be getting probably a 10% rate of return. Right. Okay. So that, that that's, that's the number we need to be looking at. Fine. Okay. Um, well, and so, right. So, can I can I just kind of reference it earlier in terms of remuneration for you guys? I mean, again, you're producing, throwing off a lot of cash. That gets that gets people, you know, thinking. It's like, how have you set yourself some targets for this year as well? Right, things that you want to try and do. I mean, how does a company go about rewarding itself for hitting those targets when you know we shareholders sitting on? You know, we've, the, the the share price is the thing that we're looking at. So, h- how do you kind of close that gap? And so, when you you know, how can you put, how can you possibly say we're aligned with shareholders um, if you've got some different remuneration schemes in in play? How, how does that work? What what are the conversations at board level there? Yeah. So for the last um, few years, so for just for example, like you're talking about actual compensation of management teams and and pay structures and those types of things. So for my myself, for the last three years. Um, uh, well, even let's say two years ago, two years ago, the business performed very, very well. We think we did all of the right types of things. It wasn't particularly a fantastic uh, year for the volume of deals, but we didn't do any stupid deals. We allocated capital wisely. We bought back shares. We did all of the right things, but our share price didn't go up that year. And so uh, I take a salary that's about half of what the average salary is uh, for, for companies of our size. I went to the board and I said, I believe in this company long-term. Uh, very much long-term. I want my compensation to be tied to the success of the company. And so I don't think because our share price um, performed very well that I should get much of a bonus. I asked for a $0 bonus. Uh, I got a $0 bonus. And then I asked for some stock options that I would make money with the shareholders made money and it went up. The next year, the share price didn't go up. So my stock options were were zero. (laughs) And and so uh, we fast forwarded to this year and we did a record year of deals I got a small bonus and I just said, same thing. I want to, I want to be successful if shareholders make money. And so I got a small amount of stock options and I am very, you know, some of those options are out of the money, but I am very, very, very incentive to make the share price go up or I'm not really making much money. 
Good. Um, got a couple of questions sent in by um, some of your shareholders. Um, you currently hold 25% of entry resources. What's the game plan for that? Yeah, so that would be one of those things that we think is as we move to this pure play streaming and royalty model where Sandstorm is just a very, very clear story, that that, that ownership of that company doesn't make sense too much in the context of that. So we would probably look to do something with that, potentially maybe even move it with the hot modern interest at the same time. Okay, so the, and would this move into like a separate vehicle with the, the hot modern, like a vehicle which you owned part of with with whichever strategic you decided to, to work with, or is it literally offloading? What, was, what do you mean by that? Uh, we're probably, we're going to work with a small company and, and we'll put these assets in, take back a stream on hot modern, take back a very small amount of shares so that we don't have to consolidate it, maybe a, maybe a payment from them or a future payment from them. Okay. And is that going to be a mechanism that you envisage, you can envisage using across the portfolio? Because obviously portfolios, there's going to be superstars, some, some, you know, good performers and the average performers and maybe some not so good performers. I mean, is, is that a tool that you see? Yourself the way forward, forward for Sandstorm is we want to be very, very streamlined. One of the things that uh, I used to say is that we have, uh, a lot of hidden value in Sandstorm, that's great, except I've never been able to convince investors to ever pay for any of that hidden value. So 2022, part of the exercise of us streamlining the company is going to be finding some of those assets that we're getting no value for whatsoever and finding a way to either monetize them or bring value to light by, for example, we've got some battery metal royalties that are cash flowing nothing. And we're starting to be approached by people who want to start up battery metal royalty companies, and they're willing to actually pay for those royalties. So I think hidden value that's hidden forever is not useful to our shareholders. So we're going to start surfacing some of that hidden value and driving forward hard. That, that's interesting. Okay, streamlined, bit of spring cleaning um, and, and dusting things off uh, and offloading. Sounds good to me. Look, I'm very conscious of your time constraint. Uh, appreciate your time today. Um, let's stay in touch. So you last March, it's far too long. I want to see you more often. I appreciate what you have to say today, Nolan. Thanks very much. Well, thank you. Appreciate it.